You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Jessica Lynn Verde. And I'm Mike Richards. And we're the hosts of Mission Log, The Orville. We look at every episode to break it down from messages, morals, and meanings. We'll be with you every step of the way from episode one to season three when it premieres on Hulu on June 2nd. You can find our show everywhere you listen to podcasts or you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com. We'll see you in the stars. Not if I see you first. really good while our guest is setting up hi nick hi jess hi we have a guest today well eventually i yeah eventually we have some nicks we have a couple we're gonna have contending nicks today wait wait a second no 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 i was excited about a guest but now you're telling me his name is nick his name is nick whoa i'm sorry Whoa, Can I tell I you something though? That. Well, no. Here's huh. the thing: is here's maybe this make you feel a little bit better. Not hmm. only are you and this Nick, the two funniest Nicks I know, mm-hmm. you guys are like the two funniest people I know too. Whoa! So it's not like even a Nick contest; it's like just straight up contest in general. Wait, so he's a funny Nick? Well, look, I've I've grown up with a lot of Nicks in my life, and it's fine. <laughs> I don't mind being around other Nicks. But if there's another funny Nick, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's that's kind of where I draw the line. Do you think you're funny, Nick Masu? Me? Yeah. Do you actually think, would you qualify yourself as, as funny? I don't know. I think in certain contexts, I would say, yes, I can be very funny. Um, I think other times, no, not at all. Okay, you wait, know. question. Do you think other people, actually, I'm going to ask this of our guest. Welcome, other Nick. Oh, hey, is it is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. Oh, oh, outstanding. Hi, happy to be here. Hi, we're happy to... I feel like I know this Nick. Do I know this Nick? Wait, is that... Is that Nick Masu? This is is Nick Masu. Is that Nick... Clark? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is great improv, you guys. Really good improv. (laughs) Jess, can I... Can we sidebar for just a second? Yeah, let me mute Nick real quick. Thanks. Okay. Um, So I don't... I feel totally comfortable being on a show with another funny Nick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't mind being on a show. I've known a lot of Nicks. Most of my friends are Nicks. Mm-hmm. But whenever there's another like funny Nick, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it can get a little awkward. Yeah, so I hear you, you know. Um, the thing is, it's like I was told you're a professional. So like a professional oh, yeah, would be that, able to make this work. You know? Sure. Okay. I, I mean, you should vet your sources Better because whoever told you that, she's just lying to your face. Okay, well but I'll do what know, I can. I'll, we're gonna I'll struggle through this. We're gonna we're gonna make it through. And you know right. what? I'm here to mediate this. You know. Excellent. Well, I guess we're in good hands then. Okay, I'm gonna unmute Nick Masu. Nick, oh, and Nick, this is going to be fantastic. Let me give a little bit of a runway because our Nick Masu knows what this show is. It's called You Don't Know Nick, primarily because Nick doesn't know things. You don't know, comma, Nick. Or, you know, for the nomenclature, or like the common phrase, you don't know dick, it's kind of a fun play on that, right? Got it. Got it. 
our guest today, Nicholas Daly Clark, doesn't even know what he's doing here, what this podcast yeah. is about. About This is the 36th episode, and this is the first time he's hearing we have a podcast, even though he's dialed into both of our lives pretty tight. I think we'd say we are in the same community. Would you not say that? I think that's not fair. We, well, not only are we in the same community, I, there's, I even know Nick beyond that community that you're referring to. That's true. You guys have... Like history, like you guys go to Thanksgiving together. Or so. I know that a couple of people, like you guys, like have family. You guys know each other a lot. Well, it's a, a little. Are... It's like family. It's fantasy football um, oh, God. and recreational sports. Back when our all of our knees worked better. It's also uh, uh, sort of a loose alumni club. Yeah, we all went to the same college together. God, but we did not overlap at all. The, our, this Knicks, they can only have one. They have a policy about having one funny Nick on campus at a time. Also, so that's right. Masu had to graduate before I was allowed admission, mm. and it was hard because he was there for many more years than he should have been. Because you know it was hard for him to graduate. Yeah. So Nick Nick Clark is very funny person and also very smart person. Uh, we we the reason you're here is last week when we were recording our episode. We went, you know who would be perfect to talk to us about blank is somebody that we both know who happens to share a name. This is how Nick introduced it. We didn't even say your name, but but like as we ended that podcast, I texted you and you said, sure, you have a podcast, question mark. So yeah. we this podcast is about exploring generational differences between Zoomers and Boomers and Gen X and Millennials. What are you? Do you know what you are? Uh, I, I don't, I do, I think, I guess I'm like, like a Xennial or something. No, no, no. I'm, I'm 1982. So I graduated high school in the year 2000. So I'm like the last of something or the first of something else. I'm a little bit cuspy, but I never remember which cusp I'm on. I would put you more in the millennial category. And we were referring to Nick Masu as Zeniel for a while, but apparently that name just never caught on, which Zeniel bridges the gap. It's a small gap in between Gen X and millennials. Got it. Okay. I would say, yes, maybe in the cultural zeitgeist or whatever Zeniel term has gone out the window, but I still believe that it's important as I don't identify either very strongly. I feel like I am a Zenial right in the middle. To me, it was called Generation Y. Did you ever remember that? I remember Generation Y. So I hold, I see, that's what I hold. I don't even, even Zenial, just call me Gen Y. Nobody knows what the heck you're talking about, but that's, that's what I subscribe to. So I'm not going to tell people exactly why you're here, but the first thing that Nick and I ever did for our podcast was a section called Stop Calibrate and Listen. So we're going to try and figure out where you might fall. Or what you know, if you know, my guess is like, would you say you're pretty out of touch with what's happening in Gen Z right now, or would you disagree with that? I mean, if is it TikTok still? <laughs> I would if it's think, if I it's still TikTok, so. then I'm right. I got my finger on the pulse. Are you TikToking or are you just watch talking? No, no, no. I'm aware of TikTok. Do you have it that's... downloaded on your phone? No. Okay, so yeah, I would not say you have your finger on the pulse. <laughs> that's well, not. All right, I'm going to go. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I can only take so many insults just un unceremoniously thrown in my direction. That, have we insulted you? I'm sorry. Let, let me no, walk yeah, that I, back. No, I don't. I do not have my finger on the pulse. 
I don't, I couldn't name like a top, probably a single top 40 song right now. If you asked me to, or if you, if you offered to pay me to. Yeah. Um, I think I'm not dissimilar with that. So just know you're in good company. Okay, like cool. some of this podcast has been actually me coming to grips with not being the relevant um, generation anymore. Yeah. That sounds like it must be hard for you. It's really hard. <laughs> Thank and you. Ki- and kind of the whole, you don't know came out of me going, Hey, Hey Jess, can you, can you tell me what's going on with the kids these days? Right. And I thought, great, we'll have a whole podcast where she tells me about what the kids are doing. And then, then she <laughs> informs me that she actually has no idea either. It's, so. Hold on. It's, it didn't, it's not as, as innocent as that. I would text you things like LMAO and you'd be like, wait, what does that mean? That's not, whoa. <laughs> I know what licking my, you know, is that not what it means? <laughs> wait, finish it. What was, what, what did you think it was? Licking my uh, what? L- You're just getting l- to the good part. Uh, licking my uh, apple uh, over. Okay, licking Nick Masu. Yeah. Nick Masu, you're trying too hard. Part. You're trying too hard <laughs> to be funny in, in competition with Nick Clark. Uh, yeah, so far neither of us, I think, have been particularly funny. Well, you, well, you forced me to finish. The, if I could have just left it at licking my, the audience would have imagined for themselves where yeah, it went. Right. But then it's you, my fault. You, you yeah, it's, it is your fault. It's it's always it's always the person who insists that someone finish the setup to a joke's fault when the joke falls flat. <laughs> it's comedy one hundred and one. That's very good. Um, I don't think so. What I, we did not do this with Nick, but I think we're going to do this with you. I don't know. If, so we're going to take a quiz to see if you're Gen X or a millennial. Okay. How does that, how does that feel? It sounds great. Like a good use of everyone's time. This, okay. This is, don't, yes, this is a great. No, it's going to be very informative for me. It'll be entertaining for you. I'm just worried about the audience, but it's not my job to care. The audience has a great time with what we do here. I think, I think we've primed them two weeks ago. We did a quiz where we just saw if we knew what emojis were. That Gen Z, if, if, if Gen Z uses emojis the same way we do. Sorry, sorry, Jess. Will you can you mute yourself real quick? Because Nick was doing some really nice scratching on his arms that I was definitely picking up, but not quite as audibly as I'd like to pick okay, it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute so, right now. So Nick, can we get some of that dry sandpaper arm scratching going again? That's great. That's what the people want to hear. So when you're saying it's not interesting, it's those intermittent moments that really. Uh, listen, some people are really into that stuff. It's it's a kink that I don't quite understand, but but I, I'm not I'm not here to I'm not here to kink shame anyone. Wonderful. So we're at magiquiz.com, and it wants to see if you are a um, Gen X or millennial. Okay. And the first question is: Are a lot of teenagers babysit to make some extra cash? I can't um, speak to the credibility of this. Uh, website, by the way, but we'll just see what they've got for us. Um, you were probably one of them. When you were growing up, what did you get paid to babysit? Less than $10 get... per hour. <laughs> oh, what did you get paid? What did you get paid to babysit? I mean, I yeah. did, a, I didn't really get a ton of babysitting, but like gigs, because I wasn't very trustworthy as a child or as a young adult. Um, but it was, I would say it was almost certainly less than $10 an hour. Okay, great. That's mm-hmm. the first answer. And the, the highest answer is more than 20 per. So we're going to answer <laughs> yeah. that. You're right. Is Which that a thing I would, that yeah, people I, get these days? I, I will not accept anything less than 20 unless it's for a friend. Because wow. I'm like in charge of your baby, and that's scary to me. Um, everybody has – okay, second question. Everybody has some strong opinions, but what is one topic about your opinions – You can, about your opinion – what the – okay, hold on. Everybody has some strong opinions, comma, but what is – 
the one topic about your opinions can turn you into a full-blown snob. <laughs> that's the, the, the verbatim reading of that. Yeah, okay, so, so that's fair. I think one topic that really kind of like turns me into a full snob is when um, online quizzes are uh, using a lot of grammatical inaccuracies and appear to have been written by someone who is either less than 10 years old or perhaps who's for whom not English in America. is not a first language. Yeah. Yeah, so unfortunately that's not covered here in the options. It's either politics, televisions, <laughs> movies, musics, books, or loading the dishwasher. Um, complete snob. I guess maybe maybe movies. I don't I don't know that I get that's, that's I think I'm gonna say politics for you. But I don't think I'm snobbish about politics. I'm just smarter no, about it than anyone really else I know. Sp- okay, there. Well, that's politics. You're very smart when it comes to politics. Okay, we'll see about well, that. Well, he he kind of perceives himself as being very smart when it comes to anything that he thinks about. Whoa. Yeah, there was no all of the above option, so it threw me for a loop. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the word snob here does apply to your uh, arrogant self superiority over anybody else's intellect out there. So, so yes, it is a fill in the blank. All of the right. above. Take your uh, pick. I'm glad that we decided to stop hurling insults my direction. This is feels like we're going in a better direction now than when we started. So, so well, the magic the quiz note. really is. We're poking holes in magic quiz. So, yeah. um, magic quiz. Oh, magic quiz, not magi. I mean, that's what I got paid to do when I was a kid. But I feel like we got ten dollars for like a whole ass birthday party. When Fair. I was a, when I was a teenage magician. Okay. Well, got it. Good to know. So cartoons aren't just for kids. Whether it's from today or from childhood, if you had to pick a favorite tune of all time, what is it? And the choices, well, you say yours. What's your favorite tune of all time? My favorite tune of all time? Yeah, cartoon. Like, I mean, it'd be Calvin and Hobbes if that counts, but it's not like a cartoon that you watch on television. Yeah, we would need to go. We're gonna. We're looking for cartoon on television. Cartoon on television. Um, I mean, I was sort of like, I watched like the Rugrats, but I, I mean, I guess my first cartoons were, were the Transformers and then all those Nickelodeon cartoons, Ren and Stimpy. That was like my jam in like middle school, late, you know, late elementary, middle school. Uh, if I had to pick one. I'm, I'm amazed that Rugrats was the first thing to come out of your mouth. And, and that is going to make me. Excuse think... me up a little, but I was watching Rugrats in like high school and, uh, you know, cause it was funny. Still well, and it aired for a long time and it's good. Yeah. It's good cartoon. Oh yeah. Good um, time. So those none of those things you said are options, but this is again your favorite of all time: Looney Tunes, Big Mouth, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy, The Simpsons, or Animaniacs. Oh, okay. I mean, I, phew, that's hard. Animaniacs probably, but The Simpsons okay. you can't you can't not say The Simpsons if it's an option, um, unless you're young enough for to have started watching The Simpsons after it started sucking, which was after well, we all know more or less when that was after like eight seasons, right? So, are so, you gonna, so between, like, you're going to flip a coin between Simpsons and Animaniacs. Where are you at? I'll go Simpsons. Okay, I think that's but right. Animaniacs was some choice TV. It was just a little old. It wasn't as formative. It was probably more formative, actually. But I, I was I, not allowed to watch The Simpsons. We it was the, all allowed to watch. We were only allowed, we we got like one half hour of TV a week, and it was like watching The Simpsons on Thursday night at eight PM on Fox with my, <laughs> with my parents. That, that's true. We did we like didn't get to watch TV. I would secretly watch after school cartoons like Rugrats and stuff, but I had to like sneak it. I had wow. to sit in the backyard where not in the backyard. I had to sit 
in the back room that had like a view of the backyard so I could see when the light from the garage door opened and like my parents would come home and then I would have to run to my room, like turn off the TV and run to my room and like pretend to have been doing homework the whole time. Oh my God. Yeah. Was there a reason why you guys weren't allowed to watch TV that much? My parents were just like, they were, they were on like screen limits before screen limits were cool. They just, they just didn't think TV was the the best use of our attention. Do you feel, do you feel like some people we know mutually uh, also couldn't watch a lot of television, but for different reasons, do you feel like it stunted you in some ways? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I got access to a lot of stuff because, you know, I would watch all the rated R movies at my buddy Bill's house and I would, you know, get to, like I said, sort of do a lot of clandestine TV watching on my own. I'm sure it did. I mean, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, I don't know if it stunted me or, or not. I, you know, I don't know what I don't know. So I don't know, I don't know what kind of monster I would have become if I'd have been allowed to just watch however much TV I wanted to. But I'm, you know, I can only I can only imagine it's a more monstrous version of myself, not a less I would say monstrous so. version. Because I, I read a lot when I was a kid. I like really loved reading, and I don't think you get to. I don't know that you really like get to. You don't do a ton of both, right? You either watch a ton of TV or you do a ton of reading, and it's hard to have time for both. Well, I and I put, would say, go ahead, Nick. Forget I say, it. I think that puts us on the opposite spectrums of Nick's here because I was oh. all I was all TV, no no books, which there actually really tracks because. Boy, Nick, you are uncultured. I am. Yeah, you are. I am. Uh, I mean, I, but I'm also uncultured in so much as I don't, I don't, you know, under, I don't know anything about music or, or TV. We didn't even have a CD player in my in my house until. Are you serious? Yeah, we didn't have a CD player until I was in like I think high school, maybe 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 like eighth grade, but I think it was more like tenth or eleventh or ninth or tenth. Wow. And we didn't have cable until I was a junior in high school. Then my parents finally broke down and got cable TV. And it wasn't just, it wasn't because they couldn't, they just didn't. No, they just, wow. they just didn't, they didn't, they didn't want it. Did your parents like each other? Oh yeah, they, they still like each other. I mean, it's, they like, they some, they go through periods where it's like not clear, you know, you, like they'll have certain conversations. I'm like, I don't think you, I don't think people who like each other talk that way to each other. <laughs> but the truth is people who love each other do talk that way to each other sometimes. Or can, it's not uh, mutually right. exclusive. No, they can talk that way to each other. But um, yeah, they, yeah, they, they do. And as a family, did you guys enjoy each other's company? Because it sounds like you would have to fill in the blanks of either reading or if you don't have like great TV to watch, I can't imagine doing anything with my family yeah. that didn't involve some media. Right. We No, we did stuff. We played a lot of, we played board games and, you know, we did outdoors. So we made my brother was like, oh, you know, do the old, do the old hit the baseball and catch the baseball with dad in the park and that kind of thing. And so cute. Things like that. Um, we, we did a lot of like camping. We did a lot of family trips, like campy, campy stuff. That was our jam was camping. So. That's sweet. Well, and I should say too, to go back, uh, stunted, I would, I would more have meant in social terms where people feel like they can't keep up with, oh, you're talking about all the nostalgia TV shows. So, uh, stunted, definitely not in the brain area for reading. Okay. Question four is movies can define a generation. In your opinion, what's the greatest film ch- franchise of all time? I doubt the one you're going to choose is here. So what's your favorite franchise Fran- of all Film time? franchise? Franchise of all time. Oh, man. I don't even know. I mean, I, I, this isn't going to date me at all, but like, I, it's pretty hard to beat the whole Marvel comic universe situation. I mean, that's, that's just funny. like... It's actually a choice. Is it? Well, I'm sure it is because there are people for whom that's like the first film franchise, but 
I mean, it's it's hard to not throw a little bit of a bone to the the vacation movies, right? I mean, those are those were formative. <laughs> Would you say you've seen every single vacation movie? I have, but we but my parents made us turn off European Vacation because it was like it was it wasn't even rated R; it was rated PG thirteen. But it was at that time when you could get away with like two or three fucks and a and a tit or two in a, a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, and so yeah, when the boobs came up, and then there was some f bombs shortly after, we turned it off and had to take it back to the rental. <laughs> so I so I wasn't until much later that I saw this the rest of European Vacation and it's not well, that good. That's interesting that you would have that you watched all that. Yeah, the the four choices here were Star Wars, which I'm sure is going to mean your Gen X, Harry Potter, James Bond, which is interesting as a third choice, and then anything in the Marvel Universe, which it's not the right way to put that question. So you get at Marvel Universe. I think that's right. Okay. Yeah, but I mean if if you. Yeah, I, I was I was I was a bit of a latecomer to Star Wars. I, I didn't see I didn't watch Star Wars until I was in probably high school, maybe. Mm. Yeah. So your parents weren't into it, or you didn't have like an older cousin or no. that was into it. Okay. No. Okay. Number five is before there were Netflix binges, and you had to mainline your uh, you had to mainline your favorite TV shows via DVD box set. Which one did you do you definitely own? Oh do you man! Know, did, did you ever have one? I absolutely did. Yeah. So I had, I had a whole bunch. So I got the, I used to watch the show Beast Wars in high school. This was a show that was not for me, but I, I watched it. It was a Transformers uh, spinoff or something. And it was one of the first like CG animated shows. And I loved it. And I collected the toys too. Again, in high school, like we would, my friends would have to like come with me to the Toys R Us because to like see if there was a new Beast Wars action figure when I was like a junior, like we were driving ourselves out there as like juniors in high school, and they'd be like, but there was an In-N-Out Burger next to the Toys R Us, so we would make a day of it on Saturday. But I would I would go to the Toys R Us and like look for Beast Wars. So I bought the Beast Wars DVD set when that became available, like much later, and and then I also had News Radio. I made it a point to buy the the full DVD complete set of of the show News Radio. That makes so much sense for your personality. It just is that all right good. there. Yeah. That show's good. Um and also I mean I had you know The Sopranos I, that was one of my big pride and joys set, full sets to have and 6 feet under was a cool one. But those were later. I didn't get those till like college. Okay, so Really quick question: The Toys R Us slash In and Out you went to that wasn't in Porter Ranch by any chance, was it? No, uh, it was in uh, not. What's, what is? It? I forget the. I know like the freeway exit, but I actually don't even remember like where. By the Hilltop Mall, but it's one exit. Is Northern California? Is yeah, this is like Bay Area, uh. but, the, but it was on the way out to you take eighty towards the Hilltop Mall, and then you exit one before. Like one before the mall, but I don't even remember. It's like past Richmond's. I don't honestly even like know if I know what city it's in because like you don't know that you don't know what cities are called when you're a kid, and you don't really know. You just know that you're there. How directions work, yeah. Totally. And you just okay. kind of know like generally where where things are. Well, just it just so happened that that, that was a, a hangout of ours. I didn't. I wasn't going to Toys R Us to get toys, but I wasn't not. You know. Wait, wait, yeah, oh, wait, wait, what were you going to Toys R Us to get? Oh, I was just saying. <laughs> boys, was Nick. There. Boys. <laughs> oh, toys. Bo- got it. Yeah. Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yes, I was going to get toys. Uh, the options here are not, not anywhere near anything you said. But Sex and the City, Friends, The X-Files, The O.C., and That Was Never Me, Why Would I Do That? I don't know what that is, that last one. 
The OC? Oh, it was no, like... that was never me. Why would I do that? Oh, I see. That was one of the... I thought that was the name of a show. Fair. I really did. I, that one went over I'm so glad I delivered it in such a way that it was confusing to you. Yeah. Um, out of all of those, I feel like Sex and the City is the closest because it's of the same era of Sopranos. That's, that's accurate. I'll take it. Sex and the okay. City. Okay. Great. We're going to go with that. All right. Six. You either got it or you don't. Don't lie to us. Can you drive a stick shift? Yes, of I course. Can't. Yes, but I don't like it. Ha ha ha. Not a chance. Oh. Man, yes, and I am saddened every day that I basically will never get to do it again. I learned I learned on stick shift my first two cars that were on were stick shift, and I and I, I miss it every time I drive. Not not driving stick. You could still buy a stick shift car, could you not? It's a lot harder. It's a lot harder. You can you can you can. My my folks still have one. It's like a, their Subaru is a stick shift, but it's like. You got to pay up and they don't really, they don't really make them anymore. It's, it's hard. Wow. To, I mean, I could, if I was buying like a Lambo or something, I mean, so, you know, they, some, there's, they are, they're not unavailable, but it's. Didn't it used to be, was it less expensive to get a shift at a certain point? Yeah. Or it, I see back, it. it was less expensive to get a stick when my parents were exclusively buying cars. My parents, like, I think they eventually paid up for a stick because they somehow insisted on, they were getting a Toyota Priya. Do you remember those? That, that dates me. Priya? Previa. Toyota Previa. Previa. I've never it's even heard of Previa. It's a, it's a minivan shaped like an egg. Oh. They're very, very weird looking cars. But my parents like some like they had they probably had the only stick shift Toyota Previa in the in the northern hemisphere. Um, and I don't and I think it was like a whole thing to to get it. But they didn't want to. They were like very anti automatic cars. Amazing. So your mom knows how to drive stick shift. Oh hell yeah. That's awesome. I, I tried to learn once with my second boyfriend who hates me now. And I think part of it is because of trying to teach me a stick shift. Uh, Masu, do you know how to drive stick? I feel like you yeah. don't and you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little bitch. Oh, yeah. No, girl, I learned on a stick. Dodge oh, Shadow, I remember. Dodge um, Shadow? What is that? Dodge Shadow. It was a car that used to. You rode that, Todd Shadow's stick. I don't understand. Oh my God, man! His Todd Shadow. Stick? Okay, Nick Clark. What does Todd Shadow sound like? What is this? What does he do? Todd Shadow. Uh huh. What's his What's his deal? You mean Todd Shadow Private Eye? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, it does what it says on the card. He finds. He'll find your missing property or loved one mm-hmm. for a small fee. Mm-hmm. Great. And what is his what is his uh, monologue when he's caught when he's found the thing for the person or if it comes up missing like what he when he shares his, what he got? He's a man of few words. He just oh. drops it. He just drops it in your lap and says, "Here." Mm. Mm. He has no emotion about it whatsoever. Todd Shadow. P.I. No emotion. No emotion that he'll allow you to you to see. He's a close. It, he's a, sorry, you were talking while Nick was sh- uh, scratching his beard. Yeah, so. Nick has. It's just like the worst microphone etiquette I've ever seen of someone on there. This is your 36th podcast? I don't know what I'm doing. Here's no, the thing. I know. Nick, he's looking at his phone now. It's, he does it every time. And and I have to tell him to hold the mic away from his fucking face every other episode. And I, yeah. sometimes I just give up. I don't ask anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, at a, certain, at a certain point, there's only so much you can do. What Nick Masu doesn't know that this is a soft audition to see if Nick Clark will replace. I mean, you don't have to change any of the graphics. I get the appeal. It's the best point. And he's going to be on paternity leave soon. So I got to find something. I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. You do. Okay. So we're going to put yes, of course. 
And then the seventh question, I don't know how many fucking questions there are. <laughs> this is dumb. Uh, when you are trying to get some work done, what do you typically play as background noise to help your focus? And uh, you go ahead and tell me. Do you like that? You you have... Wait, okay. You love fidgety things. I know this about you. Yeah. You're the kind of person who could be looking on their phone and hear everything that's going on. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to do that. It used to definitely be true. Um, I don't know if it's like pandemic mush brain or what, mm. or just age, but yes, it is true that when I, when I was fortunate enough to have, well, I had a real hard time in school. I, I ended up like going to a private school mm. in for high school after doing public schools for my, my life. And it was like one of those, you know, those classes were a little smaller barrier. Public schools are like, really, you know, you should be 35 other kids. So these were like smaller classes where you got a little more individual attention. That whole, that's the, the whole thing. People know what that is, what that is. And that was lucky for me because I, the teachers there kind of like came to realize, most of them, some of them were pricks about it. But most of them came to realize like, oh, if Nick's, if, if I'm like drawing in my notepad instead of taking notes, that's like the best indicator that I'm actually absorbing the information. And if I was ever asked to like sit with my hands folded or take notes or do any of that bullshit, then it, there was just no scenario in which it was getting in at all. And I was, like I said, fortunate to be in a, an environment where like, it didn't take that long. It took like a, maybe part of a year for most of the teachers I came into contact with to like kind of get that. So that was lucky. It's probably a savvy move on the part of my parents. Um, I, I don't know how it would have fared um, with less direct intervention. Um, but uh, who knows? So, or if it was in a large classroom, you could have been doodling the whole time and they wouldn't have even paid attention. Maybe you're right. Maybe I would have just, maybe I would have been fine. Could have saved, could have saved a buck on that stuff. That's okay. I feel like I'm half the person I am because I went to a little bit of private school. So I get it. So do you put anything on now or? Uh, yeah, I do. I, 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 I put on like classical music. If I'm like truly trying to focus, like I have emails to write and stuff. I can't focus. If there's, if there's lyrics and I, and I'm doing anything verbal, right? Like I can't write emails with Tom Waits playing in the background, but I can draw with Tom Waits playing in the background. And I would rather do that than with nothing in the background. Um, and if I, but if I'm writing emails or writing any, if I'm writing anything, I, it needs to be like non vocal di- dialogue, free music. I think as the kids so often never say dialogue free music. I think that's yeah. right. So the options here are NPR podcast at net and Netflix, HGTV or Spotify. So I'm going to play, I'm going to pick Spotify for you. Do you use Spotify as your, I don't use Spotify. I, and, and I, I know I should, because I know it's, you know, I know that there are, there are, like I mentioned Tom Waits earlier, and I really am not exaggerating. Like, I, I almost exclusively listen to Tom Waits. And I also almost exclusively like whenever other friends of mine who are more musically dialed in, like me and Nick have a mutual friend, Brendan, who like is a big Tom Waits fan. And every time I hang out with him, he's like, listen to this now, listen to John Pry. listen to these, like he has like a list of other artists that I will love if I like Tom Waits. And, and I do listen and love to listen to and love some of them. You know, they, like there are ones you could name that aren't, I'm not going to have never heard of, but I never think to do it. And I know that's what like Spotify and Pandora are for is like, you start a playlist with this artist and it, sure. it takes you through all the, this magical musical journey. But I still find myself gravitating to like just that the old Tom Waits albums that I know every song and every word of every song and every note in every 
Wait, so, so this line. is this is surprising to me. I've known you. I've known you potentially twenty years, maybe. We get almost. it. You guys are old friends. I know, but it's going to be the basis for what I say next. I never in a million years would have guessed you even liked Tom Waits, let oh, alone Tom Waits was the was your primary yeah, go-to. It's, that's my go-to. Uh, it's surprising. I mean, it's not surprising to me, but I mean, it does mean that we've never gone to karaoke together. It doesn't necessarily mean that. I have two jams when I do karaoke. One is songs by female vo- songs made famous by female vocalists in the style of Tom Waits, and I have a couple that I do pretty well. Um, and then my, the other one is Mamba number five, which you probably is the one you've heard, you've seen me do if you've been to karaoke, cause you got to get people moving. You got to get people moving first before you can do. Can you do the rendition of the part where my name is in there? Oh, a little bit of Jessica in my life. That's that right. That, that's the one. And she's the least of the whores, you know? She's the so. first, she's the first of the. Ladies of the night that he made. Yeah. That, that now, Vega can you do a version where it's Tom Waits doing <gasps> that song? Yeah, pro- yeah. I mean, it's almost is Tom Waits. Lou Vega's got a bit of a ras, but Tom Waits would be like it would be it would be slower. You have to slow everything down. So it'd be like one, a two, a three, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> Now I forgot the lyrics. <laughs> just, just a little bit of Jessica in my life. Yeah, there we go. Let's do that one. Yeah, a little bit of Jessica in my life is all I need. Yeah. You know. That was absolutely fantastic. So this is actually, we both know your live-in partner, mm. Kelly. Oh, I thought you were going to say Zucchini. Zucchini. Why? So you do have two cats that are respectively. They are named after zucchinis. One is literally zucchini, and one is French zucchini courgette, which are fa- fantastic. What's your Instagram in case people want to follow you to see your? Cat? Oh, yeah, if you want to see pictures of my cats and literally nothing else, um, you can find me at nicholasdailyclark.com. It's worth no, it. At, at Nicholas Daily Clark. <laughs> Dot com. Yeah. Um, so what does <laughs> your? I mean, that's your. <laughs> That's yeah. that's the Gen X side of that's, you. Yes. To, you know, it's it's fascinating to me because to me, I would have instantly said, "Oh, Nick Clark's a millennial, no question about it." But no, I think I think you're a millennial leaning zennial. Yeah. I am. I'm right on the I'm right on the edge. Like well, the we will last... never know if we don't finish this fucking quiz. T- well, isn't this Jesus the kind of thing Christ. you can literally? Isn't this the kind of thing that takes like one question to figure out? It's what? When were you born? Isn't that how these yes. things work? Yes. Why is there why is there a quiz for this? It's not a personality type. It's a category of age. Here's, here's the thing. Are you millennial, aka Gen Y, or part of Gen X? Well, to answer it simply, this is what this quiz says. You're technically a millennial if you were born between 1982 and 2002, and genera- Generation X if you were born between 1965 and 1984. So this these couple of years overlap is what this Magi quiz is insinuating. Got it. Okay. Well, let's get to the bottom of it then. Well, here's the thing. Really quick. I just got to know. Does cool. your Mrs. partner... Mrs. is leaving. He's done. Great. Does your partner dislike or like Tom Waits? And I know her to be a very musical lady with, with specific t- taste, but she, I imagine she wants to throw the record across the wall. Uh, you imagine wrong. No, she likes okay. Tom Waits. I mean, she's she, she bought me she's bought me Tom Waits records as presents before. She, yeah, she's, but that's she's what she's partners with the cause. do. Okay, so no, she can listen to it. She can listen to it ad nauseum as well. I don't think I don't listen to it. Neither of us are like 
I don't listen to it that as much as I should. Every time I do listen to it, I'm like, why don't I, why don't I have this music on all the time? And then I kind of forget. It's like candy. Music and me, music, I have the same relationship with music as I do with candy or like dessert, which is that every time it's like delivered to me and I am enjoying it, I'm like, this is the best. Like this fucking shit is great. And then I just, it never occurs to me to, to like put it on or to go eat some. To I've go never, buy some tits I've never been in a store and been like, I got to check out that candy aisle. And it was the same kind of, it's all the same draconian, you know, bullshit strictness that I grew up with, which was like, we just didn't have dessert amount. We had, we had once a week, we had strawberry shortcake for dessert, which is a vanilla ice, which is basically fucking bread and fruit. So it's almost not dessert. You get ice cream, but it was vanilla. So we have vanilla ice cream. It was once a week we had that for dessert. And then we never had sweets in the house, which at the time was like torture. But now as a result, like both me and my brother, just like I could take sweets or leave. I just don't have a sweet tooth. It's not part of. It's not part of my palate, and I now I'm very thankful for that because I, you know, I'm I'm not good with impulse control or portion size. So if I really loved sweets, who, who knows where I'd be? Maybe not even here, you know. Maybe so not. I'm gonna I'm gonna list not, uh, Spotify as you're probably the most closest here. Again, I have no idea how many questions are here. Eight is we've all had our brush with feeling like kids these days are too young for us. Admit it. What's the first internet abbreviation that totally went over your head? I'm just going to give them to you. We know yeah. how Nick feels about LMAO, which is a choice here. But this is the first one that you were like, you didn't get. Or you're like, yeah. so SMH, GOAT, TFW, LOL, LMAO. I still don't think I totally know what SF, SFW. Should... So there's TFW and then there's SMH. No, TFW is that face one or that feeling one, I think. Yes. Right? And T, so what was the other one? SF? S, so yeah, that's going to be the one, SMH. Do you know what S-M-H. that is? SMH. And I don't. Smack my head? Have, is it like, is it ooh, this? Shake my head. So it's close. Shake my head? Okay, yeah. Like, oh, oh that's shake the my one. shake my damn head. So that's the one you don't know. But you do know what GOAT yeah. is, though, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, uh, da, 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 da. music is great, except when it's painfully not. What musical pet peeve drives you insane? Auto-tune, pop-punk, boys, boy bands, cultural appropriation, words you can't understand. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know that any of those things drive me insane. I mean, I can get down on boy bands. Right. I'm, I'm all about cultural appropriation. I think it's delightful. Just a big, just a big win for everyone involved. Nothing can ever go wrong. I think, um, like, I, I can dig some mumble, some of that mumble, mumble rap, hyphy stuff. I, I, I'm into that shit. Um, what else? Auto tune or pop punk? Auto tune. Like he was a skater boy. She's a little later boy. It's pop oh, punk. Oh man, excuse me, some Avril when I'm vacuuming. Come on, I got get it. Out, get out of town. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to a uh, Katy Perry concert next weekend. Well, we're not going to call her pop punk. Okay. Right. We're going to call I, her. I don't pop. know. Sure. Whatever. I'm just saying. And I've been to a Boyz II Men concert with the same group of guys. Who, sounds amazing. Um, who in Vegas? Both will be in Vegas. <sighs> sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm just going to put auto tune. Or cultural appropriation. Should we just say that? No, I don't know, because that would just be the like right answer that would win me points with the actual whatever the youngest people in are right now. Fair. So we're just gonna put auto tune. I don't think. What is cultural appropriation in music? What does that What does that mean? Like, give me an example of. of so that. like Iggy Azalea, like 
pretending oh, like she's white black. people, white people rapping. Essentially, uh, I, I, but I guess I, I mean, think uh, is he Azalea. No, well, no, I, he's I'm... he's got street cred because he grew up in that, you know. So it's mm. it's like kind of hard to say. I think people would say that like. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just don't. I'm not dialed in enough to know right. like what 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 exactly people are. Like I don't what, know either, works. but recently someone said that Simon Garfunkel's Graceland album, even though he brought in South African you know, people to play on that album, it's still cultural appropriation because they were only paid as a studio band, not as writers. Um, but here's what I here's what is interesting to me about this, and I'm probably gonna just step in some some shit right now. That's okay, here we go. Cultural. So if you're, you're the question was about like what what when you what what when you hear it, mm-hmm. like rubs you the wrong way, right? And something like cultural appropriation, right? If you heard a song that was 100% culturally appropriate, right? Let's say it's a uh, you know fucking whatever fill in the blank you know ethno beat, and and you you hear it. And it's, let's say it's well done. It's well executed cultural appropriation, right? So on hearing it, you'd be like, damn, that shit's, that's my jam. That didn't, that didn't tickle my earworms in a negative way one bit. And it's not until later that you learn, holy shit, that was the Beastie Boys. That was a bunch of Jewish white kids who, who made that beat that I really liked that you're then, you're not offend you're, you're, you're not audibly offended anymore. You're just sort of like sensibly offended. Your ethics have been violated. So it's, I don't think it qualifies as a thing that like, by its by its nature as music can answer can be used can be answered the question. I don't think you can answer that question honestly saying that if you're actually taking the question at face value, which is about what 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 a sound Audibly. does to your ears. Right. Yeah. Um I, and I think that's a, I think that's a really good important differentiation and I think you're right. The person that's selecting that is going actually that does that does bother me. Like yeah, so it, I think it bothers right. me. It, that stuff can bother you, but it's not the, it's like learning. It's like if you're halfway through a meal that you're enjoying and my brother used to do this, he'd be halfway through a burrito and he would fucking love it. And then he would like find out there was onions in it. Often so, he just hates onions. Right. And you would say like, you know, there's onions in that. And he would gag and like not be and push it away and not eat another bite. Right. And it's like, you don't not like onions. You don't, what you don't like is the idea of onions. It's not, it's not, you were enjoying that burrito until you found out there were onions in it, and now suddenly your claim is that you you don't like and cannot eat it anymore, and that's 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 not it's not true exactly. It's not about you can't say my issue is that I don't like the taste of onions, if you're capable of consuming them and not noticing not only not noticing that you were enjoying the taste of them, but or that you know, but that you were you were really getting a lot of delight out of it. Anyway, it took so us a you heard it here, folks. Cultural appropriation is the same as not liking onions. I'm going to put auto tune for this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do that. <laughs> so this could easily be the most telltale sign of which generation you belong to. What was the What was your first job out of high school? So what was your first job out of high school? My first job out of high school was a uh, camp counselor. Okay, this At one the is the same camp that I was in until I was like too old to you know i did that thing where i was like you can't be a a camper here anymore but you will give you a job as a counselor totally now this this is not great and maybe it's better for your call a college question um the the choices here are salary job in your field it was similar to my high school job actually it was a dreadful six months of unemployment after graduation thanks for asking an entry-level job at one of my parents companies while i figured everything out Wait, this is first job out of high school? It does say, oh, as you know what? I read high school. It just says school. Oh, first job out of school. So my first job out of like school, school, out of college, which was for me college, that is not for everyone, um, was a 
I, you know, actually, before I worked, I worked as a bartender. I, I, I went into bartending fairly shortly after college. But the first thing I did was working for this company called SCAR, the Center for Autism and Related Disorders up in Van Nuys as an occupational therapist. Um, or, I mean, wow. a, a very in-training occupational therapist with uh, autistic, uh, early intervention autistic children. So they were like three to five. Um, and then wow. I decided, yeah, I, 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 and then I... I stopped doing that because I realized I was sort of like, it was sort of like on this fat, there was a training programs. You could have like, could have like gotten a master's in the field while I was like doing the work. And, and I was, you know, I just graduated with a theater degree and I was like, well, I could go back and do this when I'm 40. Right. There's, there's always going to be a need need. for people to do this work. I know. Yeah, I know. And I was like, I should give that acting thing that I just went to school for a go first. So yeah, time is right. I, I should put my money where my mouth is. And, You're 40 any day yeah, now. Okay, any day. Yeah, it's coming <laughs> oh right up. Um, so maybe that means you're just Gen Z or Gen X. Um, I'm, so what are we going to say? An entry-level job? Oh, wait, bartend. Yeah, let's, it, was entry, it was entry level. I mean, I think you needed a degree or something. A salary job in your field? Was, that, was working at that? It wasn't a salary job in my field. So we're just going to say, I think we're going to say an entry-level job. Sure. That one of your parents. I don't know. It's a little. It's, a, it's there's not a lot of things. I'm. I regret doing this. Did you yeah, know no, there's do. an extra entire extra area of your checkbook where you are supposed to balance that uh, that thing? Really? Did you know? Do you know how to balance a checkbook? Yes, it's a good habit to get in. Yes, but I have an app that does it for me instead. What the hell is balancing a checkbook? Yes, but I have an app that does it instead. I've never Wonderful. done it, but I watched my mother do it and was like. And then even when I started writing checks, I was like, I'm not going to do that part. This seems, even then we had like bank accounts, you know, online bank accounts where you could just sort of see all that stuff. Yikes. Okay. So this next one is, if it have is if it hasn't happened already, what from your past do you dread having to explain to your hypothetical children? Um, the pictures are say it all. One is rotary phones. One is VHS tapes with the, you know, the the tape being pulled out, which is, we, we know that. The next one is the Twin Towers, a.k.a. 9-11. And then the final one is, the caption is, today is horrifying enough, to be honest, and it's a picture of Trump. Well, this is interesting. So I, as, as someone who has made a conscious decision to not have children, uh, I guess that would be a tough one to explain to them, right? If I, It would be tough to ever have to explain to, to a child, say... I didn't want you. I didn't. Yeah, there was like, well, I did. I, I had a whole plan for not having to not bring any more people into this world, and you ruined it. Um, but I guess, <laughs> I guess in this case, I would go with. Um, what were the options again? The, Rotary phone, VHS, nine eleven, and Trump. Was, everything sounds kind of fun to explain. <laughs> Trump would be difficult to explain. Hold to on, a I child. just to be clear, I know you're not saying this. 9/11 would not be fun to explain. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I was yes, you're right. I was thinking about the first three. First being two, fun. which is rotary, rotary phones and VHS yeah, nine, is fun. 9/11 would be hard. I think I have to say 9/11 because there was a. I remember watching the Rogue One, or I think it was Rogue One. There was a Star Wars movie. This is going to be a big spoiler, so. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you haven't seen Rogue One or whatever actual Star Wars spinoff movie I'm thinking of that perhaps isn't Rogue One. So, But at the end of that movie... Spoilers. Um, 
like everybody dies, right? There's like an explosion and everybody that we've cared about the whole movie dies. And I remember seeing in theaters and being like, fuck, I'm glad I don't have kids for this. Cause you, cause I can imagine walking out of that movie that you brought your child. Who's like your seven or eight year old kid. who's like seeing their first star Wars movie in a theater and they're like how exciting that would be. And then you have to walk away and explain the concept that yes, sometimes everyone dies all at once. <laughs> Which is essentially what you'd be explaining if you're trying to explain 9-11. You'd be having to explain that, like, yes, things happen in which thousands of lives are snuffed out in the blink of an eye. That that seems like a tough, tough sell to a kid. So, yeah, let's let's go with that. Yeah, and I, I did click that. And um, it's reminding me and makes me want to pick your brain. But, we, you know, there's only so much time. But about, like, existential dread as a child, you know, when you start understanding things at, at those ages, it's very overwhelming, you know. Yeah. And you're right, like... <laughs> I like Star Wars. Daddy, why? Okay, yeah, daddy, so why? the 13th question is the final <laughs> question. And this is actually a very sad question. Oh, last great. last question. How would you rate this quiz? Ooh. <laughs> it says, I loved it. It was pretty okay. Not great. Those are the three I, options. Yeah. <laughs> they should have given themselves something between it was pretty okay and not great. Because... I, I think, well, I mean, I, I have, how do they tabulate the points? What, first of all, I, I won't know how to rate the quiz until I know what it, how, its accuracy. What, it, what, given my responses, what, it, what did it say about me? It's not telling you until you answer the quiz. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you on this. Well, then it's a, the bottom rating I could possibly, just for the right. fact that this question is before I'm allowed to view results. It's, it's the worst quiz I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> This is exactly right. And then they asked me to give them my email address. I'm not going to. Oh, okay. Here you go. Are you ready for the yeah. definitive mm-hmm. magic quiz result? Oh, now you I are. see why they asked that question is because that would only make an old ass man like me grumpy that, right. f- to be asked that question right before the end of the quiz. So I get it now. Anyway, I think go you on. definitely got your answer because of that question. Right. You are 25% Gen X and 75% Millennial. Millennial on the streets, Gen X on the job you probably have in your field. Go you. (laughs) I'm going to read this quickly. You're mostly Millennial, but you have an edge that makes you seem a little older than you really are. You don't expect everything to be done for you and probably worked at both an unpaid internship internship and a full-time job when you started your career. Turns out the world wasn't what your parents promised. Luckily for you, you bounced back quickly, ready to take life head on no matter how many times you fall down basically you have a healthy appreciation for selfies but you aren't totally self-obsessed cool i sound i sound rad you really do all right we are going to take a quick break here and then we're going to get back to the reason why nick clark is actually here we haven't started the show yet hardly Hey there, Nichols. It's Jessica. And if you know anything about me, you know that I really, really like to eat food. Sometimes I don't have enough time to cook food for myself. Sometimes I forget to eat, so I have to order something last minute. But I'm here to tell you that I am now using HelloFresh and I couldn't be happier about it because all I have to do is just select a couple meals for the week. They come directly to my door. They're easy to make. They accommodate my diet. And it's really inexpensive. 
I can't recommend HelloFresh more to people who are looking for new things to cook in the kitchen, looking to save time on food prep, uh, are indecisive about what to eat in the first place, and really just looking for something that might be just a little bit easier than your current routine is. You can accommodate just yourself, a family, however you want to go. And now if you use my code P-O-G-S-E-2009, you got to jump on it. It's only available for the month of March. You get up to 16 free meals plus three surprise gifts across your six HelloFresh boxes, plus free shipping on your first box. So you can go to strms.net forward slash HelloFresh underscore Jessica Nerdy, J-E-S-S-I-C-A-N-E-R-D-Y. If that's too many things for you to remember, there will be a link in our liner notes for this week's episode. Again, it's going to be strms.net forward slash HelloFresh underscore Jessica Nerdy with the code P-O-G-S-E-2009. You're going to get yourself some fresh eats. We have our special guest, Nicholas Daly-Clark, who I think is regretting saying yes to doing this podcast, still has no idea why he's here. Um, man, I don't know. I don't even know if he's lived up to um, the promise that he's a very funny person, but he is thoughtful and smart, so that's why we have him here today. Nick, could you have? do you have any idea why we might have asked you to be on this podcast? Not to do a quiz, obviously. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely didn't see that coming. Uh, I, I, I do have an inkling as to what it could be, but I don't want to guess because I would rather be wrong. And then if I'm, and the reason I'd rather be wrong, I'll explain if I'm not. Uh, but I will keep to myself if I am. So there's was a there was a conundrum that I had that yeah. I was afraid in not telling you why you were going to be here uh, would make you go I don't want to be on the podcast. That's what I was a little bit afraid of because I was I didn't know how you feel about sharing your opinion on this thing. Sure. But you're deep in it. You're in it. And so we need to know because you know more about it than Nick pretends to know. And I don't know anything, essentially. We have a thing called, Nick, why don't you intro it for us, for our dear. Crypto Corner. (laughs) Got to get some real bad information from a guy who doesn't know, but knows a little bit more than we do. And to be fair, this is strictly entertainment purposes. No one's giving you financial, legal advice by any stretch of the imagination. We don't know what we're talking about. We're just here to have fun. But Nick, you are not only like crypto savvy-ish, you're more NFT savvy. And we've been trying to figure out NFTs on our ends. So tell us, how did did you know this is what we're going to ask you? This was my nightmare, actually, yeah. Uh, it really, you know, it really is. And I'll tell you why. So I, so there's a couple reasons. One is I'm not like out. I mean, I guess I am now thanks to you fuckers, but I'm not like out. We can cancel like, this right now. We can, no, we can, it. we can, we can talk. We'll, we'll see. No, it's good. Cause it does give me an opportunity to, here's the thing. I'm not like out publicly as a like crypto or NFT guy. Mm-hmm. And the, there's one main reason for that which is that due to a lot of very fundamental misunderstandings about what any of that shit means, people fucking hate you for it, right? Everybody thinks, what, like, if you were to say, what's an NFT, most people would say, like, I don't know, but it's bad for the fucking environment, right? And that is true about certain blockchain technologies, but not true about all blockchain technologies. However, the effort that it would take to like have a fucking Facebook or Twitter fight with anybody who is just like shitting all over the entire concept of cryptocurrency or NFTs and like trying to clear up these. I mean, that, we all know how those conversations go. They're non-starters. So I, I like don't engage 
public. This is the first time I will have spoken publicly about like my interest in this in this area entirely. And I'm not like, and I'm not, and that's whatever. It's fine. I, I like I said, it does give me an opportunity to sort of clear up some of some of the misconceptions that make people hate NFTs and hate cryptocurrency. And there's still plenty of reasons to hate lots of things. And I encourage people to feel hate flow through their heart, you know, because the dark side is more efficient. I'm a hundred percent dark side. Uh, I know you are. I definitely, I, and, and honestly, that's more why I wanted you. Cause so I value, I valued you, your opinion for a long time. A couple of like the improv blocks I've had in my life were solved by like some quick and like, uh, observation you've had you're just you're just like a with it dude and i and i really respect your opinion personally and i'm really trying hard to fight against i have this opinion of crypto and nfts because people are yelling about it mm. and i i do agree with what you're saying i think a lot of it is ignorance or people are reading headlines or seeing that their guy that they follow likes it or dislikes it and then when you see justin bieber buy something for a million dollars when people are suffering you are it almost proves the point. So I yeah. knew that you would have some more concrete information. I don't. I don't think you would have gone into this lightly, based on how much I respect your opinion. Wouldn't you say that, Nick Masu? Nick Masu, uh, are you still here? Hello. I'm. I'm here. Uh, yeah. Nick Clark doesn't take anything lightly. He goes. He's very well thought out, which I think is why we were so excited about having you on. By all means, you know you can. Um, you know, share what you want to share or not, but your sort of pro and con devil's advocate look at what this is all about, um, I think is what got us excited, you know, and because we're playing the pro and con game right now, you know, but we're uneducated, but we're uneducated. <laughs> I'm a bit of an, you know, kind of take the uh, enthusiastic side, but always very ca you know, cautiously optimistic. You know, I watched, I told you, I watched that, uh, two and a half hour, skeptic about you know about the crypto world and nft and while i think everything he says is valid and it's an amazing argument and people should watch it i still think there's more i think there's more to the discussion than what he's doing but no knowing the sin the the uh the cynical argument against uh crypto i think is is worth exploring yeah, so I I I haven't watched that video, but I know the one you're talking about because it is just like all over. I mean, whatever social media I ever encounter, which is very very little. Um, but because you're only I've posting about share. cats, I'm only posting about cats. But every once in a while, in my one of my Instagram cat posts, which you know forwards to Facebook, I'll go to Facebook. I'll do the thing where I go and see like how many people have liked my my zucchini post or what the comments are. Cause you like to like people's comments and, you know, reply to them. And yeah, I'll scroll past some other friend who's like engaged in a like crypto NFT is the worst thing, the best thing or whatever conversation that that video is always like someone drops that video within three comments. Right. I right. started watching it and turned it off because of this snark level. It was just like, this guy's agenda was so clear from the get that I was just like, all right, it's probably going to be a bunch of the same bullshit. And the thing is that here's the truth. I don't have anything. Uh, I don't have what most people are complaining about when they're complaining about NFTs. I actually take no issue with Ethereum is a proof of work blockchain and any NFT system built on a proof of work blockchain is bad for the environment. Not all NFTs have anything to do with Ethereum. There are different blockchain technologies. The one I am most, the, the one I am involved in at all 
is called Avalanche. And Avalanche is a carbon neutral blockchain, right? Nice. And if it's not now, it will be. It's as close to one as there is, and it can be carbon neutral. And I'm sure there are links I could drop to this that are, you know, studies that support this. But the but it's it's 100% true that Bitcoin and Ethereum are very, very bad for the environment. They take a tremendous amount of processing power to produce Bitcoin. Bitcoin is produced by like mining through these complex equations. You have to, you know, there's like server rooms full of computers that are just like mining for Bitcoins. And now it's, and you need more and more of them because there are so few Bitcoins left. I don't know very much about that technology. It's kind of hard to understand if something electronic needs to be mined that way. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's kind of hard. But the, so... So the the difference, the main difference between a, blue, a proof of stake, and this is like, I really don't know very much, but the main difference between a proof of stake and a proof of work blockchain is that a proof of stake blockchain, the, 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 the sort of backing, think of it as like the gold, the gold in your Fort Knox that sort of back, quote, theoretically, this is also bullshit, but, you know, theoretically backs the dollar and gives it value. That's not actually what gives the dollar value. What gives the dollar value is that our government can forcibly collect it through taxes and that mm-hmm. everyone else agrees that it has value. But, you know, the the, the, the thing that provides liquidity is, is, is the staking process, right? So it's a proof of steel here, proof of stake blockchain versus proof of work blockchain. Proof of work is when I think, again, this is me sort of like half, I, I understand like, five percent maybe five percent i think five percent is an exaggeration of how much i understand about this and i'll admit that that's like a hundred times more than a lot like i could speak for a half an hour and and someone who knows zero percent would you like or or even one percent could could understand like literally some like none of the words i was saying in some circumstances right depending on what we were talking about but i'll try not do that because it just you sound like an asshole but basically, the, the point is, you, you could say, if you talk about Ethereum NFTs, I don't own any. I've never bought one. I don't sell any. I've never made one. I don't like Ethereum as a blockchain. It's supposedly going to turn into Ethereum 2.0 and move to, from a proof of work to a proof of stake blockchain. But that's been supposed to happen for like over a year and people are still just holding on. So I don't. So any truck you have with NFTs or Ethereum-based NFTs, carry on, my friends. Yell, yell it from the rooftops and be mad about it. I'll be right there with you. So, 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 Nick. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think we got no, we got no. the point. Is that you know you you try to invest your time and energy into what you believe are more socially conscious blockchains, but I think for our audience, uh, I don't know with their knowledge. I mean, I I could be wrong, but I always kind of look at it like they're still learning. Like, well, what is what, what do you mean? Yeah, what is Ethereum? What is the Avalanche? And and. And one of the analogies that I've given in the past, uh, and you tell me if this is a good analogy or, or if you would modify it, is that it's like uh, it's like the Apple iOS iPhone system, right? So Apple built this phone, but then they allowed app developers to build, to use their code and build apps on the phone. So now the phone can do anything an app developer can develop for the phone. Um, these different blockchains out there, like Ethereum, like Avalanche, which is the one that you, you say you spend your time on. There's others that we've mentioned on the show before, like Solana and Polkadot and different things like that, different blockchains out there. They're all kind of like their own little, um, their own little network, their own little platform where people can build on. And so you're talking about two right now. You're talking about Ethereum, which you say you don't want to be a part of. It's well, approved, and, and that's a little disingenuous because Avalanche is an, is a level one Ethereum blockchain. Like it's built from 
it's built off of the Ethereum mainnet. I think it's like a bridging. I, again, this is like the shit that I don't really understand. So it's, I don't think it's fair to say, I mean, it is fair to say they're totally different blockchains, but they are, they have, but it's someone smarter than me would say like, mm, it's not true. Avalanche is actually a level one Ethereum subnet or something. And it's mm. not that either. Cause there are actual things called subnets that are coming to Avalanche that are supposed to be the thing that allows it to scale, you know, in the way that Ethereum couldn't. So anyway, there's the, your analogy about yes, there. The, the, my understanding of like what a blockchain is is it's literally what it sounds like. It's a chain of transactions that are that are sort of delivered in batches called blocks, and those transactions, you know, a single block links to another chain, and and there's just a, a chain, right? So you, you have a, and all of these transactions are publicly visible, right? So if I if I Venmoed you. Five dollars that right now there's no if I'm Venmoing you through Venmo, I can make that private if I want to and no one can see it. There's no way to make it private on the blockchain, right? Now you would have to know what my you know wallet address is, and you would have to then and if you had that, then you would you know be able to see. But you could also just anyone could just see you know wallet X transferred X you know five dollars to wallet Y, and and it will go through in a particular block, right? So you can so all of that is is visible and traceable, and publicly sort of accessible which is one feature of it and but as far but and then and then like there's a whole other thing with this sort of like the tokens backing these blockchain technologies right like so avax avax is the token the, the currency the cryptocurrency that backs the avalanche blockchain i don't totally and ethereum is the cryptocurrency that blocks sort of that 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 uh, blockchain and, and I don't and and Solana's on Polygon and I, I I'm, I'm right Solana's on Polygon and and or Solana and Polygon are, I don't really know again I'm like myopic in my in my knowledge about this because I'm just sort of all in on Avalanche mm-hmm. and I don't really bother with anything else so there's so many, there are so many things. But, there, here, well, let me, yeah, so, go for it, please. I'm so, sorry. so, sorry. So, but so the, so the, there's one, there's one thing that's sort of like worth clearing up, which is crypto and NFTs. NFTs are just inherently bad for the environment. Full stop. How could you ever support any of this? That is true about a lot of, a lot of this stuff and not true about other parts of it. So it, it irks me when it's sort of all, it's like saying, you know, sports are dumb, right? You know, like you can think that, but you're not going to, you you undermine your position when you're just sort of like saying something like sports are, sports are, or sports aren't entertaining, right? It's mm-hmm. just like, well, come on, there's like so many different sports. It's like a really, it's not an informed or, you haven't investigated that position very much if you, if you're, anyway, the, but so there's that. And then there's also like, this all seems really stupid, and or I don't understand what it is and or like, well, can't you just right click that same JPEG and save it to your hard drive, which you totally can. And that we can get into that, too. That's a different that's sort of a different area of there's the there's the vitriol that NFTs. These, I'm just saying the reasons why I don't like to publicly talk about this. There's the vitriol associated with it that I just don't feel like engaging in. And then there's the this is all really, really, really stupid which I also really feel like engaging in, but it's, we can do both right now. Well, and there is the other argument that that video that you're talking about that talks about, and again, there's too many things to dissect, but that's kind of why I was like, oh, I don't know what to ask, but like that this is bad from a, from a strictly privacy uh, 
situation so that like like it kind of like dashes that side of things too for people so like oh yeah i mean there's a ton of that other stuff there's a there's a million ways this could go wrong and i'm not particularly sanguine on like the long-term prospects of of any of it i mean i think there's a i think there are really good arguments to be made for for this whole thing for all these efforts at like decentralization to just essentially have to not decentralize in order to work or that they'll be centralized by the same bad actors that are making all the things terrible right now for right. everyone. And you're already seeing that. I mean, you, you, you're already seeing like centralized exchange. So there's this, there's this big right now, you, what you're going to see, you know, there's already a push. It's just like, well, people, you know, we, these sanctions against Russia aren't going to work because they can just send cryptocurrencies, right? These, these exchanges need mm. to, need to cut off the flow of crypto to, Huh. The Russians, right? Uh, you could, and that'll be a reason. That will be a reason why they come in and regulate. I'm sure, but the same is, and so centralized exchanges can do that, right? Your Robinhoods, your Voyagers, your Coinbase apps, like those exchanges are centralized, defi, de, decentralized finance, and they could cut off access, right? From you could, you might not be able to send some of them already have, I think be able to send your, your cryptocurrencies to, you know, the Russian oligarchs, but you also aren't going to be able to send your cryptocurrency to your Ukrainian humanitarian services. Right. So like there are NFT auctions going on right now that have, that are associated with services that do this specifically where it's like it, the, the the deliverable is through the through a blockchain a truly decentralized blockchain so this we're not talking about coinbase or binance or any of these things we're talking about a, a wallet to wallet decentralized transaction that you can't get in the middle of right and that is scary when you're talking about sending money to putin's oligarch who is going to use it to stamp out dissent or whatever, but it's not so scary, or at least you have to think about it a little harder when you're talking about getting, you know, getting resources into the hands of, of people in need on the other side of where the bombs are dropping. Right. So, so it's, it's not simple, right? but it's absolutely true that this, like every crypto that exists right now could go to zero that, Crypto could like be the worst thing that ever happened in the same way that you can probably argue the internet is maybe the worst thing that ever happened because it gave us Twitter and Facebook and it's destroyed our ability to focus on anything for more than 37 seconds. And, but it's like, you can't, you can you also can't make the argument that the internet is the worst thing that's ever happened. You sound like an idiot if you're trying to make that claim. Right. So, so, so all those things can be true. I think I have a hard time understanding. The thing I kind of wanted to ask you about was, um, how are how is Justin Bieber going to make money on the NFT unless he sells it right now? Like if you sold the Beanie Babies at the right time, like what where, where are we seeing? What is the benefit of an NFT right now? Yeah, so that's a great question. So this is this is getting, um, yeah. So some certain NFTs are exactly like Beanie Babies. That's a great analogy that is makes sense to use because it's a it's it's a stupid sounding thing. There was a phase, but like if you're compl- if you're pretending that there was no way that no one monetized Beanie Babies, you're not you're not paying attention to what happened with Beanie Babies, right? You absolutely could make money off Beanie Babies, and many many people didn't, and many people thought they were going to and didn't, and many but pe- didn't and- realize that the exchange of money was happening in real time at that time. So people were like buying Beanie Babies for the future investment. Maybe, the, yeah. Well, that's what I remember us doing. Oh, we're going to make the, the tags perfect and we're going to hold on to the right, Princess right. Diana bear. 
and it's, it's a twenty dollars now. It's it, that's what we were told, but people were making three hundred dollars then because it was hard to get. Yeah, and those and it's true. You know, it's true about the in the same way that NFTs. So here's how most NFTs, most NFT projects work. Not even most, but here's how most NFT project works for a while. Is you would there? There first of all, it's gambling. There's no doubt about that. It, it, there's a there's something called a mint, right? And a mint is a is a process whereby let's say you have a ten thousand NFTs in this in this uh, select this this project, you're gonna randomly mint one, right? You you you, you might pay whatever you're gonna pay on Ethereum. It's a lot on Avalanche. It's not a lot, um, and it wasn't always a lot in Ethereum. But let's not get into the the chain wars again. Um, you pay what you pay. And everyone's going to pay the same for their mint. And what that is, you're pulling a lever on a slot machine and you don't know what's going to come up. And most of these things have some sort of rarity structure built in, right? Where there's commons and uncommons and rares and mythics and legendaries and all that shit. And so every time you buy one, you, 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 what's happening in your brain is the same thing that happens when you pull a roulette wheel or, or well, you, you're not supposed to pull the roulette wheel. But, um, slot machine, I think. But then when you pull the slot machine... Or see the roulette ball, you know, spinning, and then the dopamine, all the dopamine needs to. That part is just a casino, right? I'm so not, you don't not gonna, know what NFT, what not, level? Not, of- not necessarily. You you can, but but most for a mint, it's like a blind mint process. It's a randomized I thing. I see. You mint it. You don't know what you're gonna get, and you might get a legendary, right? You might get a really rare one. So- yeah. So, so for example, I just want to take sidebar here real quick. So we're talking about you. You, you brought up Justin Bieber. He bought a board ape, right? right. So board ape. There is there ten thousand board apes, I th- right? I don't. Again, that's so. That's an Ethereum based project. I really don't know much about it. I believe it was a ten thousand piece collection, and I'm I would be shocked to learn that it wasn't released in this kind of mint process that I'm talking yes. about. So when you the so first people who bought board apes, paid. I don't know what for them. Some of them minted ones that were less or more common than others, and it would have been, and because of a bunch of other circumstances that have to do with just, I just cultural phenomenon like like word of mouth Seth and Green buying one or whatever. Yeah, or, or I don't yeah. know how it even started with board apes because it was it, it was they were they increased in value a lot I think before they even were like things people, you know, has some household names. So, but you could. Yes, you could like flip them. And if you did early, you might have 10x to your board ape, right? And like thought you'd killed it only to realize like you could have thousand X'd it if you'd have just held on to it, right? And there's certainly there are people who have whose single most valuable asset that they have in their possession is a board ape NFT that they'll maybe never sell because they don't want to A, lose. There's this whole other pfp component where people like to make the nft you own your profile pic on your social media thing yes, so it's yes, a yes. social badge that like you you own this thing it's a status symbol it's like it's like driving you know it's like a fancy car or even you know like owning an iphone before that was something absolutely everybody did it's just a total status game being played by sort of like what your p what pfp your what and, nft and, your PFP and twitter is. has even created a new profile which is it's an authentic like you yeah. are the owner of that board right. ape or nft image as opposed to just somebody who copied it yeah if i if i if nick owned a, the board ape and he was able to verify that because twitter now has sort of your wallet verification technology so nick can say you know I, I have this exact board ape and if i'm running around twitter and i have the same jpeg that i just right clicked and saved which again anyone can do that is that is sort of twitter saying yes to the 
Nick would now be able to very publicly shame me for pretending that I own this board ape that I'm repping in my PFP that in fact he owns and he can prove it because his is a little octagonal right. square versus mine, which is circular. Cause I can't, I can't prove ownership of it. Um, and, and what a board ape is, right. And it's the same for all these things, right? It's a static picture of a ape's face that then has slight variations per 10,000. So every 10,000 has a picture, the same picture of an ape's face, but maybe in this picture, it's, it's got a mustache and a nose ring and a hat tilted yeah. to the side. And maybe in this page, it has the hat, but not the nose ring, you know? And so all these little changes, 10,000 different modifications over, let's say five different variants, then determines its rarity and its value. Meaning so, like if one of these bored apes has all the, the ski cap, the nose ring, the glasses, and the lip ring, then that's rare because it has all of those items? Or it can, can it be more yeah. rare? It, it can or be a arbitrary? No, well, it can be a number of things. So it can, it can, it can be that they... It's, <laughs> I, mean, I feel like the ones that are the best looking ones are the ones that are yes. the, be the, the, the best, most expensive. They're, that's definitely not always true, but it, but it, it should be true. I mean, if I was designing something, I would try to I make guess. it. Yeah, I would, I would want the coolest looking ones to be also the most rare. But the thing is, so before we run out of time, because there is there's this whole other thing that, again, most people don't know when they talk about NFTs, what they're thinking is like, this stupid thing that you, at most the utility is that you use it as your profile pick, right? That's like the most you can do. That's like changing fairly quickly. And right now, because Avalanche is a, and this isn't only, this isn't changing only on Avalanche, but Avalanche is a faster chain and it's cheaper, right? The, what are called gas fees is the, what the amount you pay, the sort of mm. cut that you give up when you process any transaction. Ethereum, you can try to do a transaction on Ethereum and it can take 10 minutes only to learn that you did, that it didn't even go through, but it still costs you, you know, $70 in gas, right? That's a, that's possible for it to happen. Wow. It would have to be a relatively big transaction for that to happen, but it's possible. Most avalanche transactions, although again, the, the chain is being, chain is being a little bit challenged recently by some, by a lot of activity that I'm about to get into is it's something closer to instantaneous where 30 seconds is like pretty long to wait for a transaction. And we're talking about like pennies or maybe a dollar if the chain's really busy in terms of like a transaction fee, right? So because of that, because you can have lots of transactions happening on the chain all at the same time for relatively, relatively quickly and, che and cheaply, there are a ton of what are called like P2E, play to earn, or there's all this gamification happening, right? So there are now NFT projects and now it's almost so common and they can be so lucrative that if you're not this kind of project, people are like, what can, how do, what do I do with this NFT? It's just a picture. It's just like, it's just art. That's, that's dumb and boring to me now, right? It's already shifted there where it's now like you have, so you would say you have an NF, there's a project called chicken. And the way chicken works is you have a chicken. That's your NFT. You can stake the chicken in, you can stake the chicken in the, in your farm and the chicken will lay egg. Oh my right? God. It's like an egg is a currency, right? Egg can be right. traded on a decentralized exchange. Oh my God. The egg you can then stake and the, the staked egg produces feed, which is another currency. And you can use feed, you can trade it, right? You can sell it if you want to, or you can use it to 
feed, basically to put it in your chicken. And when you do that, it burns the currency, which means this inflationary currency has a deflationary component that, that puts a cap in theory on its supply. And in that particular case, feed is also in a finite supply, but that doesn't matter. Um, and you, and, and so you burn it, it disappears forever from the, from the economy and your chicken gets bigger, right? Your, your chicken started at one kilogram and now it's two kilogram and it used to lay one egg per day. Now it eggs 1.25 eggs per day. And you can keep embiggening your chicken and it legs more and more egg. And, and there was a time when like you did this and you, 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 you say you had six chickens and they were laying six eggs a day. And at the beginning of this project, egg was trading at like around $8, right? So you, you would have these, you would be create, you would, if you're laying eight, six eggs a day, you're, 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 you have this little project that's pooping out 35 real world dollars every day that if you want to continue sort of playing the game and reinvesting in the ecosystem to keep embiggening your chicken and making more egg, you could do. You could also just decide to like take a little profit every day and sell some of that. You know, there, so there, there, that's like the new, almost new normal is these gamification systems that sort of have this self, this, this tri token, that's a tri token economy model. And it's like, that's becoming a lot of people are just ripping that off and trying to use that. They chicken didn't invent it, but they did a, they did it better than a lot of other projects have. And I'm sure there are NFT enthusiasts who will be like, that's bullshit. Chicken is a rip off of this other thing. And I don't know how true that is. Maybe, but that's like the thing. There are these NFT projects that, that truly do have this weird utility where, and it, and here's the, here's the, here's the real kicker. So do you know what non-fun, what, what, I just blew up, but do you know what NFT stands for? Mm-hmm. The best part is the first episode we did, I was like, oh, does Nick know of these, you know, LMAO things? And right. so I was like, do you know what NFT is? He's like, actually, I know a bunch of things about this. And so we, to make Nick happy, because he's very volatile to work with, uh, we have Crypto Corner. We talk about this stuff often. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot about it because of him, but I, you know, I don't know that I understand it. I don't think he's that good at describing things. So, <laughs> so, so it stands. Wait, 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 wait. What does NFT stand for? I believe was the question. Jess, you're on <laughs> non fungible tokens. Right. Hey, so, hey, she not, learned something. Non fungible tokens. So, if you listen to what I was just describing about chicken, does chicken sound like a particularly non-fungible token to you? If I started by saying this NFT is your, this chicken is your NFT and it starts at one kilogram. I don't know if I even understand what non-fungible token means, but I so don't non-fungible, think that's what, we're here. What, it's, what it means is like this is a thing that can't be funged, right? Funged is altered or changed. Oh. But this, but this weird, this utility-based NFT thing that everyone is gangbusters about actually like completely takes the NF out of the nft right it's like a, it's if anything it's like a super fungible token it's designed they're literally rewriting the metadata on your nft some in that particular project the visual look of the nft doesn't change but in other projects it's starting to so you have an nft and you then the the point of the game is like you you level it up or whatever and you you t- you truly change it's like a it's like a it's like a sft it's like a super fungible token it's like fungible by design which is weird and what's weird to me is that no one's like hey this is that's that's worrisome like if the if you can from the back end of a project change the metadata and even the image that is that you had that you think you own with this nft you know what's to stop someone being like oh that legendary board ape yacht club that you just minted you, th- you thought you were so lucky for minted, like that's a, it's a common now, right? There are a lot of reasons why that won't happen because you're it's entirely reputation based, and if you did that, your project would just die. Mm-hmm. But it's very it's interesting that that's like this a new part of this thing. 
And I, I, I have to go soon, but I do want to leave you with this because I think for, it's helpful for me. This is the most helpful analogy when people are like, this is all stupid and I hate it. And, and, and I think it goes a long way, which is that it's already both stupid and I hate it, but true that people pay real world money to like level up their candy, their cookie cutter video game characters so they can eat right. more candy crushes and cook more cookies or whatever, right? People pay like real world money <sighs> to buy skins for their character in Fortnite that looks cool, that they, they like just dropped $70 so your character in this game can have a hat. And there's no way to, I mean, you could get really good at Fortnite and like playing a Fortnite competition and make money that way, I guess. But there's no way to like turn that kind of interaction in what you could cough, scoffingly refer to as a type of metaverse. There's no way to monetize that in those circumstances, but people already do it and people don't even really make fun of people who do it that much, right? You might find out that your spouse spent like how much money on their stupid Candy Crush game and outfitting their stupid Fortnite character with this much bullshit, but you're not going to like... It's, it's it's different, right? Nobody's just like uh, saying like on principle, that's dumb and stupid. And that's on principle, dumb and stupid, because in the world of these NFTs, it's you're doing you're playing the same game as as those other people, but you can turn it money like you can turn it into money and you can take that money and you can send it to your centralized exchange like Coinbase and you can have Coinbase send you and Wells, your, your U.S. dollars directly into your Wells Fargo accounts and that's like a whole thing that isn't it's not that complicated to do and it's not like this is a good way to make money and everyone should try it because that's not true either but if you just think it's the dumbest thing in the world bear that other thing in mind so i I think that's a really great argument and my question on that is and i know you don't have a lot of time but but that's not going to stop him go ahead this this chicken world this is what we're talking about is really only funded by people who own chickens. Like if you're not, if people aren't participating in this game, then there's no money to draw out of the game. Am I right? Like if everybody just sold their chickens, the thing would collapse and probably not everybody could actually sell their chickens if everybody sold their chickens at the same time. 100%. That's entirely accurate. It requires, all of this requires that other people are participating in it and you might think of that that you know that's that sounds a lot like a ponzi scheme and a lot of people accuse a lot of these projects of being ponzi schemes and some of them are some of them really truly are built around constantly requiring not just existing members to keep giving a shit and continue playing but for like new new people to keep engaging and that's not that's not necessarily always true i think it's possible to build a well-balanced enough system where it you can kind of, to some degree, self-perpetuate, but I, I, that remains to be seen. The, the, the other, but the, but the thing is, like what you just said, is also in essence true of any currency, right? It's true that like if the only thing that makes the paper that I have in my my pocket like valuable to you is that we agree that it's valuable, right? Like just now at this point everyone agrees that this paper symbolizes this other thing and that it corresponds to numbers in a bank account or supposedly gold in Fort Knox or whatever. And, and it's, but it's, it's the, it's the shared agreement that this thing has value. So anything does have value if you could, if at least one other person 
thinks it has value and I can mon- you know I can give, give it to that person for profit or something. So it's 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 a, it's an oversimplification. I, I don't agree with people who just hand wave the whole cryptocurrency and NFTs are stupid or or like the or the future any either of those claims away by saying, you know, like yeah, but money is also made up and like fucking blah blah blah. It's like it's not quite that simple, but it's it's pretty it's pretty close that it's pretty close to you know if 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 you know if things go sideways in the ukraine at some point you know we're going to be trading shells right like we will start over right. and we will groups of people will decide that shells of a certain size weight and luminescence have a value and that if you give me one i will give you my service or my mule or my whatever my broken nintendo switch that nobody even knows what to do with anymore because it's the post-apocalyptic hellscape that we're all about to be living in which is why i don't have kids but maybe that's another topic for another podcast like that that shared agreement that this shell has value is going to be what starts up the next currency and then at some point it'll sort of turn into this other thing where this valueless concept called a bitcoin is also agreed upon to have value by enough people that it does nick you did not disappoint me in any stretch of the word. You were funny, charming, smart, educational. If you had to leave our audience with one word or one sentence, what would it be? Oh, what hap- whatever happened to pogo sticks? <laughs> we're going to put your Instagram on our liner notes in case people want to see more about Zucchini, who well, I love, and Crojet, who I love. Be- yeah? before, we, before we close Oh, out, God, he's got to go. I know he's got to go, but I'm just going to lay, I'm going to lay a little quick gauntlet down. Yeah. Um, now you work on the, uh, you do the NFT on the Avalanche Exchange. Um, we know somebody who works on, who does NFTs on the Ethereum Exchange. Mm-hmm. And I think I might be able to get him to come on this show. Uh, what do you, now you guys have kind of a bit of a rivalry what would you say why is your approach better or because i think he made the comment and and knowing that i would share this with you is that you don't play with the big boys he's a, he's a, he's with the big boys at ethereum what would you say to that i mean i would say in some senses he's right like if you can tolerate the the, the circumstance i described earlier where your transaction doesn't go through it takes 10 minutes and you lose 75 dollars on it like yeah, I don't I don't have that kind of pocket change just to, to just whip around like that. So to some extent, that's true. I think another way to put it would be that um, that I don't hang out with Texas oil tycoons either. You know, the, those are the like the 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 big boys. There are big boys everywhere who aren't good boys, and my my. My uh, my my insistence on staying involved in blockchains like Avalanche it really are not accidentally rooted in the fact that they are they are not terrible for the environment. Where which is Ethereum still is when if, if Ethereum two point ever happens and it like is actually not terrible for the environment anymore, which it could, um, I I'll revi- I'll, re- I'll revisit my uh, my attitude. But yeah, he's not wrong. There's a certain there's a certain truth to like the the you know ethereum things just are more expensive right it's it's like the back you know there's slot machines in in that roped off corner where it's a hundred dollars every pull 
and you could do that, but you wouldn't if you only had one hundred dollars for the weekend. You know, like it, it, it's just, yeah. It, it, to me, it's. But yeah, he, he's not wrong. He's just an asshole. Here's my, that, that's what I was gonna say. If that person needs to make to belittle what Nick Clark does in order to feel good about what he does, then is he really doing good work in this world? That's I don't even know who you're talking about, but honestly. Fuck that guy. Nick, thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. I hope I didn't bore everybody. Not at all. Very very insightful, Nick. Uh, You gave us what we needed. Um, Well, good. And and now we're done with it. I'm sure someone's going to rip me apart in the comments, but I won't ever see them because I don't even know where your show... Yeah, don't worry about it. I I would say go to sleep tonight happily. Okay, great. All right, I got to go. I'm just going to leave the whole call because... I got it. Goodbye. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nick... Well, Masu, Jess, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I feel. I mean, I have a lot more questions. I have a lot I more know. questions for him. Um, Should we have not done that millennial quiz with him? Well, it's fine to do the millennial quiz, but when the millennial quiz takes forty minutes, I thought we, it was like good to get to know him. You know what I mean? We want. I wanted people to know him, and he's. I just didn't want to. Here's the thing. Here's what here was here's what my motivation was. Not everyone sticks around for this podcast to listen to NFT crypto talk. But what I would say is when you have a gem like him, uh, and also potentially this other guest who you just called an asshole, but he'll you know he knows it's good nature. No, Nick called him an asshole. I said, but I said fuck that guy. I thought you said no. You said fuck that asshole. Yeah, no, fuck that asshole. Did sure, you? sure. Maybe he, well, I mean, he also said Is it. it so bad to fuck an asshole? I ask you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I ask you, as long as there is consent. <laughs> um, I actually think, even though there are you know, probably plenty of people who listen to this who are like, fuck NFTs, yada, yada. I think people need to know. I think, there's, I think it's really important and interesting to know um, because I, this my personal philosophy. It, no, with all its flaws that it has now, no matter what, it's a part of our future. Mm. I don't know what that future looks like. I don't know how it's a part of our future. I hope it's a positive future. But I don't really see blockchain technology just going away. Like there would have to be some other technology that was developed that's far superior that is, has that capability. What's happening right now, though, is it's the Wild West. And it is, all the negative criticism is accurate, right? And, but if you just listen to the negative criticism and say, I don't want to have anything to do with that, you're missing out on trying to understand where we're headed te- technologically, you know? Right. And I, I just think it's important to, you know, to bring in people uh, who have a bit more understanding and, and play in these worlds. Both... Nick and this other guest, if we have him on, okay. I think we'll, we'll be right. At, we'll, we'll admit that, like, the, that they're playing. Like Nick said, this is gambling. He didn't say, "Oh, this is a sound investment." Where I'm, right? Or, you know, they know they're playing in in this sort of cesspool of um, whatever's. You know. Well, I mean, we didn't say cesspool, but it's not. They're not unaware. The, the sort of. Nick is Nick Clark is a smart man. He's also got like a maverick quality to him too. You know, like he's he knows he likes to play it close to the edge. This is somebody who will lay on the floor and hold a soda can in his hand lightly until gravity does the work 
and drops the soda can out of his fingertips so that it will hit his face. This is some, that's what this person does who graduated college and is very smart. So that's an, that is a quality that I maybe should have led with about Nick Clark. And you're right. Maybe I did us a disservice by um, trying to figure out. I I I'm no I don't I don't regret anything in my life, you know, Nick. You shouldn't you shouldn't regret it all. And I'm sorry to make you feel bad. I I'm you just don't only... you don't. I'm just I'm taking the I'm taking the you know information. I'm taking the feedback. I just think that uh, uh-huh. I think our That's audience, okay. that whether they know it or not, they want to know about NFTs. And uh, but maybe we just teased them a little bit. We gave them a little. That was a there was a lot of information there. What I kind of love, though, is that Nick Clark is like, this isn't going to be interesting. Why are we going to Why are we doing this right now? I love that it was a waste of his time to do those questions. And I barreled through. That was just didn't matter to me. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, I was like, if there are 55 questions in this quiz that I I didn't even vet to begin with, I was I was going to be I was going to be pretty uh, upset with myself. Now, what you could do is you could do like old school jump cut editing, right? You know, and just shorten that. I don't think so because I think we have a I think we have an episode here that people are going to be very thrilled about, regardless. It, it's fan service on both sides, you know. And I honestly, Nick is so smart about this stuff that he delivered over an hour's worth of information on NFT. He's also a very fast talker, and I think I thought he did well with regards to that. He was he was a pure showman today. Now I know you're, you're. I know you're wary about NFTs and whether or not our audience can jive with it. I'm not saying but, I'm worried about it. I just know that some of the people, some of the people, don't come here for that. I got it. But I think we, I think maybe, maybe we got one more NFT guest. Oh, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think we we should. I I I don't think this conversation's done. I think Nick's going to come back again. I'd like him to, um, if if. He wants to after sandbagging him, you know. Um. <laughs> he, he did not want to talk about NFTs. Oh, uh, you he know thought he was he, living in this in this world where he he got to play in the NFT world and no one knew about it. And now we've, we've he totally should never have mentioned bubble. it at a party that we were at. You know, like he should have never mentioned it. So if he didn't <laughs> want people to know, he shouldn't have told you. And that's that. I will say I am going to look into chicken though. That sounds pretty fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, um, it's fascinating, but it is, it's basically what I would recommend if you do get involved is pull out money. Don't just, don't just let it ride, pull your money out. So at the very least you get your initial investment in because you are living in this soup of it's only being held up by the fact that people are putting money in. Right. Um, yeah. and that could that end in an instant. It That's how end. anything works. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm going to look into it. It's the first time something made me go, ah, I, I know games. And yes, the argument for, um, you know, Fortnite and people buying skins, that sounds great. Uh, but then there's arguments for like, well, what if skins were NFTs? Uh, people have arguments against that. And so it's not, it's not a fully, um, cut and dry conversation, I the the side that I'm glad he brought up, which I was going to ask him about, was people who blanket statements say I don't like this because they saw their favorite politician say it or they saw their favorite dude say it. Um, you know, if if we're just going to look at headlines and take and take our opinion from there, they are underserving themselves for sure. Without a doubt, Nick, um, if you had to give us a sentence for the, one last sentence of this, akin to whatever happened to the pogo stick, what would it be? 
Nick, uh, Nick Clark, who, who our audience just got, got to meet here, uh, isn't a full-blown millennial. And in my mind, I always just checked him off as that. He, I think he's, I think maybe the reason why I've, I've stayed friends with this guy is he might be a zenial. He might be right in my, and I, and I, what I learned, this is more than a sentence. God. <laughs> <laughs> what I learned was, I think I'm close friends with a lot of zenials. I think that's where my, where my friend group lives within that sort of like four or five year. Yeah, it's your peer group. That would make sense. I know, but I feel like it's like at this, it's not only my peer group, but it's a pocket of people. Yeah. Yeah. So you are in a special little jockstrap of a generation, you know? Mm, yeah. In a banana hammock of You of sure fun. are. Oh. And I will say it did surprise me because I wrote Nick into my world, like definitely millennial, you know, but he does have that, that a little bit of a Gen X edge. I just kind of wanted to be definitive about it because I, I, I would have guessed about that too. So anyway, I'm hardcore millennial, man. You know, we know that. <laughs> we know that. Okay, Nick, I'll see you next week. Uh, yeah. Okay, great. Cool. Well, I mean, whatever. I mean, time, time's ticking. I mean, who knows? Next week, I mean, it would, it would be early, but I could It'd be, be early. I could be running to the hospital. We'll see. Okay, so say your goodbyes now in case we don't see you. Okay, We're going to well, do that every- Man, the past 36 episodes have been fantastic. I'll see you all in a couple of months. This has been great. By that time, I'll have my own chicken farm. I'll be feeding them and popping eggs out, Ugh. making money. Okay, bye, Nick. <laughs> bye, Jess. Popping eggs. That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verde merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're not already, consider becoming a Patreon member. You can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner. Go to patreon.com slash you don't know Nick. And if you haven't already, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols.